The Guardian. Hello and welcome to the Business Podcast. I'm Adit Chakraborty. This week we're asking, is it time to get angry? Food and fuel prices are racing away. Our wages aren't keeping pace. And it's still incredibly tough to land a job amid an economic slump. There's never been a better time to get recession rage. So why aren't we hopping mad? And the film industry takes on the financial crisis. From big to low budget, we look at the latest releases on the big crash. This is The Business from The Guardian. Joining me in the studio today, I've got Zoe Gannon from the High Pay Commission, The Guardian's economics editor, Larry Elliott, and our very own banking expert, Jill Trainer. They're in a good mood at the moment, but I'm hoping they'll soon be boiling over. Because for the poorest and the squeezed middle, there's plenty to be angry about, with stagnating wages failing to keep pace with a rising cost of living. On Monday, Ed Miliband tried to tap into some of this anger. He talked about ending the take-what-you-can culture, both at the bottom of the pile and at the top. Zoe, let's start with you. Let's talk a little about what Ed Miliband said. Uh, He made a reference to you and your work, didn't he? Yeah, so he referenced our recent interim report, which was focusing mainly on what's happened to pay at the top. So over the last 30 years, we've seen an enormous explosion of pay at the top. The top 0.1% are taking an increasing share of the national income, and the commission was established to look at that. So Ed was referencing the work that we've done, and it's obviously great that political parties are taking serious interest in it. Do you think there is a head of steam building behind trying to clamp down on pay at the top, though? I'm not sure that clamp down on pay at the top is the right phrase, but I do think that there's a lot of public anger about particularly rewards for failure at the top, the way pay at the top is not related to performance particularly, so far ahead of where wage rises are is making people angry. I think it is. I think that obviously the high pay phenomenon has been going on for quite a long time and all the time most people's real wages were going up. They might have objected a bit to the fact that the rich were getting much richer than they were but they didn't mind that much. But if, if your real wages are being squeezed, i.e. If, if your income is going down in real terms and you still see the rich coining it in, then that does actually create the conditions for a great deal of public anger, I think. And, I, and it seems quite clear that not only has real wages been squeezed for the last two or three years, but they're going to carry on being squeezed for some time to come. We're talking about four or five years in which people's real living standards are being forced downwards. If they see people at the top creaming it in, then that's a recipe for a great deal of political unrest, I think. Jill Train, do you, the, Larry's there saying that the rich are still coining it in. From your experience as a city, do you think that's true? I think it's, well, I think the numbers speak for themselves. You'd have thought that post the banking crisis, we might have seen bankers not want their bonuses, say, you know, to take some sort of shame for what had gone on. But in fact, as we know, bonuses were paid throughout the banking crisis. So even that sector of society that Really, you know, you could blame the bankers if you wanted to, I suppose, for the reason that we are so indebted and the reason that we are now uh, trying to reduce our deficit, cut back on public spending. And the reality is they got paid throughout the crisis. You know, what happened was a few banks at the top said, do you know what, I'm not going to take my bonus this year. But the reality is now we're in, you know, for 2010, every banker has now decided it's okay to start taking bonuses again. Mm. Remember, two of those banks are owned by us or partly owned by us through UKFI. And UKFI has sanctioned that it's okay for these guys to take their bonuses again. So you asked Zoe about, is there a message from, what's the message from the top about do they want to clamp down on big pay? Well, if you look at what's going on in the banking industry, I think you'd have to say possibly not. 
Larry, it's all very well talking about people being angry because of their wage rises, but as today's unemployment figures showed, still nearly 8% of the workforce don't have a job. Yeah, I think that the, the reality here is that most people can't bid up the price of their labour. I mean, that's, that, that's the point about the labour market. People, there's a lot of unemployment out there, a lot of people who are working part-time, like a full-time job. There's lots of slack in the labour market. Trade unions are very weak everywhere, only in the public sector, trade unions strong. So there's not really that much chance of people at the bottom getting a leg up from the system. I mean, at the top, there is a very powerful trade union which operates amongst, amongst the bankers and amongst chief executives who tend to sit on each other's remuneration committees. So you're the chief executive of a company, but you also sit as, on the, as a non-exec on the board of another company, and, the, and their non-exec sit on your remuneration committee. So it's a sort of scratch, scratch your back, I'll scratch, you know, scratch my back and I'll scratch your back thing. And it's a very, very powerful trade union. And they all say, actually, we need to bid up at each other's wages so that, you know, so that we remain comparable. And, that, and that's what's happening. There's something about the structure of pay at the top as well, I think, that's interesting, is that you know, we're, we're forever being told that people need bonuses because it incentivises them to stay. You know, they need to be awarded shares to make them stay. What I see increasingly, though, is you see companies saying, oh, well, let's hire so-and-so, but tell you what, let's buy them out of the so-called incentive package that was there to retain them, which appears to, you know, we've seen this happen ourselves to the Stainto banks, where the two people we've now got running them essentially both had to be bought out of the deals they were in before. It just strikes, it seems to make a mockery of this idea that these are retention packages or some sort of, or something related to incentivise them to perform well. And it doesn't just happen in the city as well. Uh, the most famous case in the business world is obviously Mark Bolland being bought out of his shares in Morrison's to go to Marks and Spencer's, so it's happening a- across the board. But Zoe, the, 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 I suppose the question is, um, if you're going to think about this as being a narrow group of people who serve and protect their own self-interest and using kind of science talk about, about defending reasons why, why is it then that the anger isn't directed at them so much at people who are declaring they're going to go on a strike in a couple of weeks' time? We've just got an announcement of a big public sector strike coming up at the end of the month. People seem to be far more worked up about that than they are about bankers raking it in. Well, I suppose it depends on what you mean by people being worked up. I do think there is a lot of public anger about bankers' pay and pay at the top. You, you think If you get in a taxi in the city, taxi drivers will ask you if you're a banker. And if you're a banker, they have an enormous go at you. I've sat in, in taxis with bankers and they get really cross. There is a lot of public anger out there. And I don't think that you should underestimate that and assume that it's all directed at uh, public sector workers who are considering striking. The difficulty for public sector workers, of course, is that if you work in the private sector, you could argue that you've actually even got it a bit more worse. You haven't got an extraordinary pension. Sorry, you haven't got the pension deals (laughs) that people working in the public sector have. So you could feel a little bit annoyed about the fact that people are going on strike about a pension that has already been removed from you many, many years ago if you work in the private sector. So you can can understand why people might be angry about public Mm. sector workers. It's interesting, you talked about your taxi driver experience Mm. um, and people having to go at bankers. I was having a drink at a house the other night and somebody said, well, I work, you know, I'm a civil servant, you know, as if somehow this was now something that you couldn't be. You know, I think it's kind of quite fascinating (laughs) that, 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 you know, we, we as a society can end up ostracizing whole sectors of society just because for some reason we don't fit into certain slots ourselves. Okay, well, Ed Balls popped into the garden this morning and he says... So you'll be pleased to hear people are right to be angry and that there's a clear need to take action on city salaries. I think that people are furious that they're now having a hard time suffering 
seeing the living standards squeezed because the irresponsible decisions made by people with very, very large multi-million pound salaries in the financial services industry, but that, that hasn't really changed. And actually the financial services industry has pushed back and said they don't really want to have proper transparency. We say that uh, any public sector salary over £58,000 should be published, but you've got people here on any millions and they are resisting proper exposure and scrutiny. And I think people think that's really unfair. We've said we should repeat the bank bonus tax for a second year to spend on youth jobs. I think most people think that's a pretty good idea. Ed Ball's there. Zoe, what do you think Labour are actually going to do in terms of concrete action rather than just talking about this? Well, in Ed Miliband's speech, he mentioned that he would support Will Hutton's calls for worker representatives on boards and that he wanted companies to publish pay ratios. So there are two concrete things which the Labour Party would support, which I suppose is could be considered a, a significant step forward. What, what else do you want them to do? Well, we haven't come out with any policy conclusions yet. We'll be publishing uh, our policy conclusions in the autumn. We're at the moment discussing internally and with various stakeholders what what they should be. Are you running it by Ed Miliband before you publish? No, we're absolutely not running it by Ed Miliband before we publish. Um, Larry, there's, there's a line in the Ed Miliband speech where he says that there should be uh, fairness for people at the bottom and fairness for people at the top. This is something that comes straight out of Maurice Glassman and the Blue, La- Blue Labour idea that you shouldn't be ripped off by the benefits grounders or by big bankers. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, you that, do you think that works as a line? For Ed, I think he's it's, it's trying to touch all the bases. I, I don't know whether it works as a, political, as a political line. I think that it's an attempt to yoke together the various strands of Labour Party thinking and the various bits of the Labour Party as, as, as constituted after Brown and Blair. I mean, the, the, the appeal to the... To, you know, against benefits grounds is obviously to appeal to the, the right of the Labour Party and the attack on the attack on the rich is to appeal to the left of the Labour Party. It's, you know, it's a broad tent strategy. I mean, I think that the, the, the problem for Labour is it's always much, much easier to take direct action against benefits grounders than it is against people at the top because what you do with benefits grounders is you freeze benefits and you make them poorer, whereas there's actually there's not very much you can do against people at the top unless you're prepared to take direct action against wages in the private sector, which no Labour Party, Labour government that I know is prepared to say well, we'll have a maximum wage as well as a minimum wage all you can really do is either use the tax system have a permanent 50 percent tax rate or higher or you can you know or you can um you, know, you can do things in the public sector public sector pay at the top against chief executives of local governments um, but you can't actually take any action against the boards of directors of barclays bank or hsbc or or any other private sector company, unless you're prepared to really, really, you know, start pulling all the levers of the economy. And I don't think any Labour government, you know, not since not since Tony Benn was in, in, in as Secretary of State for Industry in the 70s, would be willing to countenance that sort of thing. You know, yeah. you rely on you rely on corporate governance changes and and the and the goodwill of the of, of private sector share company shareholders to do the business for you. And it's palpably shown over the last 20 years that shareholders are real paper tigers. They don't they don't actually hold boards to account. They don't actually. You know, put put lids on on top people's pay at all the the one thing that governments did do over bankers i mean that they have that there have been regulatory changes that have changed the way bankers are paid it hasn't reduced the amounts they're paid but at least means now they have to wait maybe three to five years to get the whole of their money they have to take more of it in shares but that's the closest they've come to intervening in the banking sector which is quite something i think osborne and vince cable both said they don't want to run a pay policy yeah and if they're going to be that hands-off then you have to wonder what other action they're going to take that's the politics and the economics. We also spoke to the psychologist Oliver James, author of the book Affluenza, about his argument that the habit of constantly comparing ourselves with our peers is a sickness. 
the free market selfish capitalist system deliberately encourages people, partly through advertising, but also through uh, trapping them in debt, to you know to be constantly striving for something they haven't got in their careers, in their individual material lives. Our lives, you know, are, are, are dominated by debt. And the idea that we should have things that, that we can't actually really afford or, or shouldn't even be aspiring to, and actually, of course, won't make us any happier anyway. I've interviewed quite a few millionaires. The millionaires in in the selfish capitalist English-speaking nations were plagued with concerns about how they compared to others. Their concern was always to try and be bigger and better. They had no concept of enough in almost every case go further down the food chain and obviously you can all of us sit around agonizing about whether we should redo our kitchen or uh, get a new car or whatever it is and obviously one hopes that guardian readers are slightly less afflicted by it than others but unfortunately all of us are afflicted by it to some degree I believe it to be a real plague I mean I do think it's a virus that really does badly infect our, our mental well-being I wish that, Ed, I, I pray actually, that Ed Miliband's keeping his, his powder dry and is secretly planning to come out with a very new narrative. Sadly, I may well be disappointed. Larry, what do you make of that argument? I think there's probably something, something in it. I think that you do compare yourself to your peers. I mean, there's been research that shows if you're a dentist, you compare yourself to what other dentists are earning. If you're a football, I mean, we know that footballers forever compare themselves to what other Premiership footballers are earning. What about it, bankers, Jill? Do they do Bankers that? are the same. I'm sure bankers are the same. It's, you know, you, you, bankers don't compare themselves to us. I mean, you know, <laughs> we earn a reasonable salary, but you know, bankers earn 10, 15, 20 times what we earn. They wouldn't compare themselves to us. They would compare themselves to their peer at another bank. Well, no, crucially, bankers actually compare themselves also not just to bankers in the UK. If you're speaking to the people running UK banks, they're comparing themselves with people running banks in America. So, you know, th- th- this comparison thing is also, it feels like something that is throughout society, actually. I think people are forever comparing, you know, what they earn, what they look like, they where do, they live. I think they do more I mean, in I think it's. I think, I think it's probably part do more in, in Anglo-Saxon countries. I'm not so sure they compare themselves that much in, in rather more stable social democrat European countries. I don't think German bankers necessarily compare themselves to, to, to American bankers. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you always compare yourself to someone who's only more than you rather than someone who's only less than you. But I, mean, I don't think that's right because the German bank took over a big American bank in, at, at the start of the millennium in the hope of becoming more like an American no, this bank. Is, so this, I'm sorry to find myself is, disagreeing is, with you, but is, I, I kind is, of think you're... I think maybe that's not right. This is Larry's wistfulness for Rhineland capitalism, I think. <laughs> um, but Zoe, if we take Oliver James at his word and we're just looking around constantly comparing ourselves mm. to others, in London in the southeast where we get the highest concentration of the super rich and we get bankers and this sort of thing you'd think that that would lead to people in the middle and lower incomes getting increasingly angry and there's a bit of IPPR research which, which, which illustrates that too So the recent IPPR report um, was quite interesting in the fact that it, it has done these focus groups which look at um, what people's attitudes across the income spectrum are towards pay. Um, I suppose the most interesting question it asks is, you know, what are we paying for? Um, it doesn't really come out with a very strong conclusion on what we're paying for, but it does start to address this issue of, has there been a market failure in terms of, in terms of pay? Now, on a slightly lighter note, how's culture tackling the hard times we're all living through? The banking crisis is the subject of several new films, and we've had a look at three of them, Inside Job, Debtocracy, and The Floor. 
Let's start with a film with the biggest budget. Inside Job is a slick but angry look at how the American banking sector grew from a small, trust-based industry to a gigantic money-making machine with huge influence in government. Again, Lehman Brothers, one of the most venerable and biggest investment banks, was forced to declare itself bankrupt. Another, Merrill Lynch, was forced to sell itself. Today, crisis talks are underway. World financial markets are way down today, following dramatic developments. In September 2008, the bankruptcy of the U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers and the collapse of the world's largest insurance company, AIG, triggered a global financial crisis. Gripped markets overnight with Asian stocks Stocks fell off a cliff, the largest single point drop in history. Share prices continued to tumble in the aftermath of the Lehman collapse. The result was a global recession, which cost the world tens of trillions of dollars, rendered 30 million people unemployed, and doubled the national debt of the United States. If you look at the cost of it, destruction of equity wealth, of housing wealth, the destruction of income, of jobs, 15 million people globally could end up below the poverty line again. This is just a, a hugely, hugely expensive crisis. This crisis was not an accident. It was caused by an out-of-control industry. Since the 1980s, the rise of the U.S. financial sector has led to a series of increasingly severe financial crises. Each crisis has caused more damage, while the industry has made more and more money. The floor focuses its attention on the housing bubble, and the floor in question refers to a sudden moment of clarity for Alan Greenspan. Alan Greenspan calls it a once-in-a-century financial crisis. Meltdown on Wall Street, the worst since 9-11. One giant collapses, another is bought. President's yes. economic generals warning Congress, approve a $700 billion bailout or face dire consequences. I have talked to the heads of almost every single one of these firms in the last 72 hours, and he has no idea what it's like out there. None! <laughs> Dr. Greenspan, you had an ideology. You had a belief that, um, that free competitive markets are by far the unrivaled way to organize economies. We've tried regulation, none meaningfully worked. That was your quote. Do you feel that your ideology pushed you to make decisions that you wish you had not made? Well, remember that what an ideology is, is a conceptual framework with the way people deal with reality. Everyone has one. You have to, you, to exist, you need an ideology. The question is whether it is accurate or not. And what I'm saying to you is, yes, I found a flaw. I don't know how significant or permanent it is, but I've been very distressed by that fact. You because found a flaw in a the flaw, reality? A flaw in the model that I perceived is the critical functioning structure that defines how the world works, so to speak. The last film was the lowest budget of all. Detocracy is a Greek film and was crowdsourced, meaning the director managed to get 8,000 euros from the public by promising to tell the story of how Greece was left in debt by the EU and the IMF.
Με την οικονομική κατάρρευση της Αργεντινής το 2001, το διεθνές νομικές κατάρρευσης της Greece will pay dearly for the intervention of the IMF, and in some cases, she will even pay for it in advance. Larry, you were one of those on this paper who wrote the story of the past three years in the banking crisis. How good a job do you think these films do of telling it? Uh, well, I didn't think I didn't think any of them were as good as Trading Places, which I think is probably the single most brilliant film about financial markets and modern capitalism ever made, um, and, and none of them were as nearly as funny. I mean, trading Places. If anybody wants to see a film about financial capitalism, they should watch Trading Places. Of them, I actually I did think that they were. Um, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, Inside Job, although there was a bit of it that I thought was a bit sort of. Over, overdone. I mean, Which it, well, the start of it looked a bit like the opening scene from Lord of the Rings with this panning shot across Iceland. You imagine Legolas and Gimli are about to appear on the horizon, um, and it was, it was it was slightly sort of, um, and, it, and it was slightly one-sided, perhaps inevitably, since they couldn't get any of the people to. Um, any of the real villains to to appear Goldman on Sachs, uh, Goldman Sachs, Alan Greenspan, yeah. Ben Bernanke. So it did have. It, it was very slick, but you did get the, the feeling that it was very, very. Partial, which is okay. Films are supposed to be partial and polemical, I suppose. I mean, but there were some, there were some very, very good bits. Now, I, re- I enjoyed the bit where the, they skewered Glenn Hubbard. I thought that was really Glenn Hubbard and Fred Mishkin. Uh, really, uh, yeah, I thought that was absolute. The, the bits about the, the the way in which the economics profession was complicit in it was was really well done, and they and they got them. They got them. So what they did they got them was, bang to rights. What, what they did was they quoted puff pieces that both these leading yeah. economists had written about Iceland or the banking system, yeah. and then said, "So how much were you?" paid for producing it, this yeah. and, and how wrong is it now yeah it was and, and they just wriggled like mad and, and Hubbard just got very very angry and it was that, that was that was really that was really well done um I thought the floor was obviously it was a bit more like that if that was a sort of big you know Hollywood production the floor was much more like an indie indie film you know the sort of one that would normally in 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 US terms be set in New Jersey or somewhere one of these sort of you know bargain basement type films. and it was quite and actually I quite enjoyed that because it was um it was quite low key. It was quite lo-fi, and but it, but it was quite serious. It got to the heart of the issue, which in some ways, Inside Job didn't. It really got really got underneath the skin of the American housing market. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Sorry, what did you make of Detocracy? Um, I enjoyed Detocracy to the extent that you you can enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I thought that the the best point was the point at the beginning that that it makes about uh, the failure of the eurozone and how the eurozone is actually collapsing and and was unstable to start with and how these exterior pig countries uh, Portugal Ireland uh, Italy Greece and Spain are the full guys for what is is a failed system and unless there is either the creation of a, a state for Europe then you'll see it ultimately collapse and I thought that was quite interesting Jill the one group that all these films t- round on is the bankers. Indeed. And I, once again, I'm going to find myself the defender of them, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Well, I mean, how, how fair or unfair? The thing about Inside Job is that it was so loaded in its argument. So loaded in its argument. 
that I kind of felt that you almost, I was vaguely annoyed with the banking industry for not having the guts to put somebody up. And the person they did put up from the American Lobbyist, lobbyist yeah. Society. Yeah. I'm afraid yeah. I don't remember the name. I think it was Scott somebody. Scott, Scott Talbot or something, wasn't it? I thought he was absolutely superb. <laughs> he was a real I, thank you for smoking character. Yeah. I just sort of felt that the banks... The problem the banks have is that they've given up trying to defend themselves. You know, they've given up trying to put themselves forward to try and justify the things they did. And I don't think they do themselves any favours because now they can let films like Inside Job, which I thoroughly enjoyed actually, make arguments very loaded. Um, That's interesting. Why do you think they've, they've abdicated that? I think if you ask bankers now to defend pay, I'd, I, I don't think they bother. I think because they just think we're, them, we're, we're making money anyway. And I think so. And I think also if you ask them about what went up, well, what went on up until 2008... Lots of them are ready to argue that, in fact, it was the regulators, it was central you know, bank. it was Greenspan, yeah. it was the central bank, it was all of us, that we were all complicit in that we all enjoyed easy credit. So bankers are, as you know, on the whole, pretty bright and they're pretty fast at turning the arguments back around us. Um, so actually, I, I, but bankers don't come out of either film well for precisely the fact that they don't even attempt to defend themselves. Larry. Is that a controversial thing to say? It wasn't necessarily meant to be, but I think it's no, not possibly at all. true. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, Larry, what, what actually just taking on Jill, Jill's point, what, one way of telling the crisis is this hugely complex event, which it does involve regulators, central bank governors, bankers, and the role of ideology and the belief that markets actually sort themselves out in the long run. How to be fair, I mean, I think Inside Job did a bit of that. I mean, it didn't just skewer the bankers. It yeah. did It did have a go, and so did the floor had a go at Alan Greenspan, probably the single worst central bank governor has ever been in the history of the world. Um, but just on the role of ideas, how good a job do you think those those two, those two films in particular did? Um, I think, I thought Inside Job did quite a good job in that it got into the heart of the policy-making machine and the way in which policymakers have been completely captured by neoliberal ideology and that and that and that, and that had started really in the, and there was this sort of symbiotic relationship between wall street and the economics profession and the way in which there's almost a, a revolving door between mm. wall street and the policymaking machine i mean the number of people from goldman sachs who not only went into the in, into the us um, administration under the republicans but still doing it under under Obama, which is that, that was in some ways the most frightening part of the whole thing, which was that you know this great opportunity to reform the financial system was, was being squandered really because Obama was surrounding himself by people who were in many ways complicit in the crisis in the first place and not really listening to any of the dissident voices in, in the in the US. I mean, there are I mean the film showed some of them, but there are some dissident economists. You know, there's Krugman, there's Stiglitz, Stiglitz there's 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 Rubini, there's you know there's people like you know Schiller. I mean, there there are a whole bunch of people who spotted the crisis coming or have given very good critiques of it who have not been who have not been brought back into the tent. I mean, the idea of having Larry Summers as 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 as, as economic advisor is, you know, to my mind, staggering, given his, given his role in causing the crisis in the first place. There's an interesting point, too, about that's made an inside job about Tim Geithner, who was running the New York Fed and argued, well, I was never a bank regulator, you know, and is now the US Treasury Secretary. You know, it, it plays into Larry's point that the same people are, are, are still there. The, the sense I get from both Inside Job and The Floor is that they're dealing with an episode which is now fundamentally over. 
there was a crisis it's now been dealt with and we are now in the aftermath do you get a sense of them being kind of the the histories more than interventions I think the reason they have a sort of slightly historical feel about them is because the banking industry and the people in the policy machine who want there to be business as usual are very much of the opinion that it's time to move on, as the bankers say. You know, that, and that's partly the reason I think that the bankers don't want to appear in it because you just then then you're just reopening the wound. I think that actually what everybody involved wants what the what people like Glenn Hubbard want what people like Greenspan want what people like Bernanke want what people like Larry Summers want people like Bob Diamond or it's to move on it's just to move on and forget and just say yeah we got it wrong we're really sorry and there was the bits where they were appearing before the you know um on Capitol Hill before very very angry members of members of Congress and they they sat there like sort of penitents you know and they but they, but, but, but they just yeah. knew that they just had to don sackcloth and ashes for a little while and then they could go back to Wall Street and carry on and I think that that the, the films definitely have that sort of sense that yeah this, this is what happened but actually nothing has really changed. I mean of course governments might argue that they'd actually achieve what they wanted to is that by pouring all those billions of pounds trillions of pounds into the financial system in October 2008 and in the subsequent months, they allowed the party to start again. They kind of saved us from what could have been, you know, real riots on the streets, really having a banking system that didn't work, really walking up to an ATM machine where you couldn't get your money out. So actually, I, this may sound a little bit counter, but actually governments wanted the party to go on again. You know, it was every government who bailed out their banks did so because they wanted to resume the party. Well, I guess that the one film that is very much a kind of intervention in an ongoing crisis is Debtocracy. We've got the director, Aris Chatsis-Stefanu, explaining why the people in Greece were so supportive of it. It was a very strong feeling in the Greek audience that uh, what they are getting as ideas about the crisis from the government and from the corporate media, it's not necessarily the truth. People wanted to listen to, to other opinions, even if these opinions were coming from uh, Marxist uh, economists or uh, what we call non-mainstream economists, people like Samir Amin, David Harvey, uh, Alain Badiou. You cannot uh, listen to their voices from, uh, from corporate media. We just wanted to say to the Greek people and to uh, people around Europe that we have to see the debt crisis from a different point of view. We cannot just accept what the government is saying, that the debt crisis can be attributed to some kind of laziness on behalf of the population, or that there was a big party in Greece that we all partied together and now we have to pay the bill. We wanted to explain that there are, uh, that if there is a common debt crisis in different economies like Ireland, like Portugal, like Spain, like Greece, there must have been something else behind. And we were trying to explain that this something else is the crisis of capitalist systems starting from the 70s, and after that, the structural crisis of the European Union. I think that the population in Spain, in Greece, and in other countries started have started to realize this thing. So we have to wait and see. But all these big demonstrations in uh, in Spain and in Greece, I think, shows that uh, things can change and will change. Aris Chatsi-Stefani there. Zoe, is Detocracy a film that you'd show to people to get them angry? Put your campaigning hat on. Um, I don't think... 
I don't think that it would get you angry. I think it's an interesting film in the sense that it brings up this concept of odious debt and it essentially asks you to... Uh, well, it asks the IMF and the ECB to write off a Greek debt. It would... Perhaps it would make you angry. I thought Inside Job was perhaps a more of a call to action, although the problem with Inside Job was it didn't really know what action it was calling for. So Detoxy gave you kind of a policy idea and Inside Job basically gave you a cast list of criminals. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose what was what was interesting about Inside Job was that it it really went for the people. It said, here are people to blame, let's blame them. Whereas I suppose Detocracy and The Floor went for the ideas more than the people. Jill, you get the last word. Which of these films are you going to recommend to anyone who wants to find out what exactly happened between 2008 and 2011? Inside Job. Uh, I think uh, I'd probably go for Inside Job, yeah, of, of them. I'm going to go for The Floor. The thing about the floor is it's got the best name. I think it, that, that, picking up on that Greenspan quote was is a very good. Well, I think the, I mean the the, the, and the inside jobs. Dead, are... dead oxy could easily be called the floor because there's a big floor at the heart of the European Union, and, and, in, and, ins, <laughs> no. and ins, an inside job could be called dead because the the common thread it's, of all, yeah, all three exactly. films is debt, be it public yeah. sector or private sector. So you know yeah. there, there were common themes to all three films, which is that you know the, the, the build up of, of debt either in the private sector or in the public sector or in both um, is is the common thread that runs through those those films okay i'm afraid that's all we've got time for now if you want to watch debtocracy it's online at debtocracy.gr inside job is out now on dvd and the floor is on at selected cinemas over the next couple of months thanks for listening i'm Aditya chakraborty the producer today was harriet grant for more great downloads go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio